pleased to bring you our feature presentation. How's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Parish Pump Podcast. Councillor Dermot Daisy O'Brien here with you all. It has been an interesting day in Ireland today. Well, yesterday, it's just after midnight, but we can still call it today because I haven't gone to bed yet. But as we all, well, anyone who is paying any attention to the news, we have an election on the horizon and it has been decided to have an election on Saturday, the 8th of February. Don't know how to what extent people were ready, not ready. Yeah, we saw it coming, but they've kind of dropped a, it's almost like instant election scenario, which I would say first off the bat is whatever about being mindful in terms of candidates being ready. What an absolute mindless decision in terms of those who work hard in the franchise departments of all the county councils who have got the register of electors ready would have been ready if the election was a mere seven days after the date that they picked. But because they picked the 8th of Feb, that means that there's going to be absolute full-on work needed to be done in county councils to get supplementary register people sorted so that they can vote in the election. So not a mindful governmental decision that is trying to inspire participation in the upcoming. That's cynical me is saying that cynical Daisy thinks that uh, an instant election is not really conducive to get the vote out. It's not really conducive to make sure you're registered. It's not really conducive to if you're in emergency accommodation or maybe a recently arrived um, resident in Ireland or a recently arrived resident in the town that you live in from another town nearby, um, it does really the, the pressure's on to get yourself sorted if you are not sure that you're on the register. Um, but it's happening and that's our reality. And it, yeah, I would say one of the more important elections, probably a cliche, but considering the way the world is, this, I think, elections that are happening in the now across the globe are defining, will be, could be defining elections for our time. And as you may have noticed, the name of the podcast is politics is not, so elections, let's say, is not about politicians. It's about voters. And, and you know, that might, what, what does he mean by that? Um, it, if it wasn't about you, the voter, then why would all the money be spent? Why would all the effort be put into the social media spin, the postering, the leafleting, the, the training for canvassers, the correlation of all the, what have you done? What do you propose to do? What is your vision? Um, make no mistake that every candidate around the country is focused on you, the voter. And, you know, like you give them a free pass when you're the type of voter who doesn't bother voting or is kind of indifferent about an election. Because uh, that kind of makes it easier for them because then it's easier to predict or to focus on who to get out to make sure that they are vested in the outcome. So I would say it is about you. And, you know, make it about you. 
make this one about you, the voter, and make it about you and make it on your terms. Because what will happen is it'll like for for politicians who want business as usual, they're going to just tap into they'll play the caveman game the emotional game and they won't want to bring you any further than that they're probably not interested in your values they're probably not interested in how you make decisions they kind of want you to have a little bit of fear about change and they're going to try and tell you that we're almost there lads stick with us um so that should be expected so, you know, there should be no surprise um, at the shenanigans of of those who want to get elected. And, you know, I was in that world very recently myself. Um, and there is decisions to be made about how authentic you propose to be or how much integrity you're going to infuse into your campaign. Um, I, I'm sure some people will go, well, let's, let's just do what we have to do to get elected and then we can do the integrity stuff and the authenticity and the... Um, but... You know, for what my tips to those who are going to think about voting um, are that, you know, it's start with you. Your start point should be you. And I really would say that it's on you to check in on your values um, and think about that. In ter- like, so there's kind of degrees of thought in terms of values and the type of society that you want. And, it, you know, sometimes they would like you to just stay within the bubble of me, me, me. What's in it for me? What will I get from it? Um, and that's one level. And we are all going to wonder about what's in it for us in terms of a, a general election, because those who get power get to make decisions about every single aspect of our lives so if we dismiss politics as a notion um that's relevant you know that's naive and i'm just going to call you out on that um beyond that you are thinking about yeah what how will it impact on me but i would suggest that you should also challenge yourself to wonder how will it impact on those around me and that can be your family and friends because we all know people who are in scenarios where their needs are not being met. So if you imagine their needs being met, what will that look like? And who will deliver that? And even if you're brave enough to go beyond your friends and families and think about your community, what are the needs within your community? And what have the, again, when you're deciding, when, when a government is asking you to re-elect it, then there it's asking you to judge its record. That's it. And that's on you again to judge the record and look around you and say, hmm, for me as an individual, how is the current government and those who have supported it, how has that served me? Um, and then look at your family and friends. Uh, you know, do we all know an elderly person who's been, uh, you know, uh, had a howler in a hospital, been sitting on a trolley or been waiting or had a procedure? You know, they're all the things. Yeah, that that's... The government and ministers of all the various important portfolios, um, that's your job is to judge that and and to judge it in a way that wonders, is there a better way to do it? Are there other ideas about how it should be done? So you're looking at it from your own point of view. You're wondering about uh, your family and friends, those who are close to you, those who are around you, and then your wider community. And beyond that, then it's about society. And I would say that when we wonder about politics, I, I, I would think about the social contract. So that notion that 
Governments exist because people have this collective contract that says we want to be governed. That's what the social contract really is. It's about saying we want a set of people to govern us, to take that responsibility, but they should only be given that responsibility if they're committed to the greater good. And that's really the fundamental part. And that, for me, I, that's why I, I have my doubts about whether the social contract is broken or on its knees or riddled to the extent that it's um, almost, you know, stone dead at this stage. So I think we need to, you know, reconnect with the social contract. And that's where we look beyond ourselves and look around our society and wonder what type of society do we want? What needs to happen for it to get to a place where it benefits everyone, where no one is left behind? Um, and who will deliver that? And that's about that's then, in, you know, that's for you and your decision making. Who of the candidates is committed to delivering that and committed to delivering, not just talking about it, because they will all talk about what they will deliver or what they believe uh, can be done. Um, but you have to be able to tap into your values, use your judgment and look at the candidates and wonder who is there to serve others first before they serve themselves. And I think that's a real strong criteria. Um, and who are they willing to work with in order to achieve uh, a society that recommits itself to the social contract, recommits itself to a sense that people deserve better. Um, and beyond that, it's about their ideas and their proposals and it's for you to look at policies manifestos the previous record it's not about or is it or dare we accept that it's there's still a loyalty and tribalism in politics that you're committed to your tribe and by doing that you give them the free pass um, and if your decisions are based on loyalty and tribalism we might judge you um, if your decisions are based on who seems to be popular, oh, I'm not sure that that's a great criteria. If your decision's based on how how someone looks, do they look trustworthy? Are the media telling us who we should support? Is there um, preferences out there that are being presented to us by others? Um, or will we take responsibility for ourselves and we'll have the, the, the I'm sure the debate will rage now about visibility and the, the poster debate um, there is posters you know I think there's, the future of politics probably doesn't involve posters in the way that they have culturally existed in Irish politics anyway for a very long time um, but if we talk about you know if we borrow a phrase from the climate justice world a just transition is also important if we're going to change how we do visibility in elections. Because if we want to have fair and equal elections, then there is something about how the change happens. And it's eh, easy enough to say, ban posters, no posters. If you do posters, you're bad and you don't deserve to be elected. I, I can see the sentiment in the move away from posters, but... If you're in a party or part of a movement that have unlimited funds in terms of, yeah, I can do without posters because I'll get billboards and I'll 
buy out ads and full pages in newspapers and I'll be able to pay for my social media content and the machine will drive me and posters, you know, with or without, we can still dominate uh, in terms of visibility. And that's not, that there isn't an equal playing field in that regard. Um, and historically, I suppose, the truth of the matter is that smaller parties and even Indos rely on posters. Um, and of course, if you're, especially if you're a new candidate or a newish candidate, you don't have, it's, again, it's easy for some, I've been on the, I've been an elected rep for 20 years or I've been on a council for 20 years and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to use posters. Yeah, okay, that's honourable, but you also had 20 years of visibility and you've already got a profile. So if someone's going up against you and don't have that, you can't really be telling them that they shouldn't use posters. So I absolutely respect um, any candidate who decides themselves, I won't be using posters. Um, but I don't think we're there yet. I think the elect this election is too important to for that to be the battleground. Um, so yeah, and any any organisation or any movement who have a stance on posters, that's grand. But to you know be passing judgment on others and to be sabotaging their um, electoral campaign on the basis that they have made this one decision that you don't agree with, yeah, it's a little bit. I don't think it's healthy for it. Doesn't feed our democracy. That's for sure, in my view. Um, so you really have to take a responsibility as a voter and see and feel your power to effect change. Um, and I genuinely think, you know, I'm not saying that everyone should now go out and align themselves with and get involved in the campaigning, but to sit back and be passive or maybe to throw a few digs on social media and then not go out and vote uh, is again, you're just disrespecting on some level, you're disrespecting the, the, our democracy so you know go out there and go and yeah it's a short period of time but it'll be you'll be blitzed but when someone knocks on your door or if you get a leaflet give it check in with yourself and then check in with them um, and don't necessarily ask them um what will you do ask them what do you believe ask them where do you stand where do you believe about direct provision and refugees do you believe that direct provision is the best model of support and intervention that we can offer an asylum seeker? And if that's what they believe, then that tells you that that's what they're going to do. Um, and I think that's the where, again, you have to wonder yourself, what do you believe? Do you believe that it, we must accept that there's going to be hundreds of people on trolleys every day? We must accept that. And if you're if you're accepting that, then you're part of the problem. If you're um, saying that no, that is not acceptable, and something needs to be done, and we need to be doing it every single day until it's done. That's, I think, a commitment to change. Um, and yeah, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how the media um, plays a role in the whole campaigning. Um, in terms of polls, in terms of interviews, in terms of TV debates and radio debates and um, shows that, that have audience participation. Um, so, yeah, let's see how it pans out. But don't don't be passive. Whatever you do, don't be passive. 
and let's see what happens and let's see how it impacts on my world of local politics but yeah it'll be interesting to to watch them to watch the national picture play out so i'm sure i'll see you out and about during the campaign all the best <laughs>